Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Tax Security Podcast, where a bunch of Cisco folk talk about all things Cisco security, such as hot issues, hot bugs, best practice configuration tips, hot cases. I mean, anything related to Cisco security, we love to talk about it, and we're here to talk about it with you. Uh, My name is Magnus Mortensen, and here in the studio with me, we have Mr. David White. Hello, Magnus. How are you doing, David? I'm doing fantastic, as always. Now, we also have here in the studio a special guest. David, why don't you introduce our special guest? Today, we have with us our chief security advocate, Mr. Chris Romeo. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. And this is actually his second time on the podcast, so if you missed his first appearance, you might want to go back and check out episode number 42. 42. Which was titled, The Cisco Secure Development Lifecycle. Yes, and so we're going to actually dig into that a little bit more today with a repeat follow-on episode where we're going to talk about Cisco's Ninja program. And I know the listeners can't see me right now, but I am doing the Ninja. Uh, Well, for the listener's benefit, it, it wasn't very stealthy. So, Chris, tell us a little bit about what your job is here at Cisco. So my job in general is to build security community within Cisco. So that means I run internal security conferences to gather people together and and get them excited about security. Um, I run a group called the Security Advocates who are, you know, from different parts of the company designed to um, do things for security. And then we also have the Security Ninja program where we're trying to raise the bar and make everybody at Cisco a security person and focused on what we have to do to make products better. And I think that's key, right? So, you know, obviously this is the Tech Security Podcast Show and, and all of our listeners understand the importance of security and are here to learn more about it. But, you know, when we talk about very large companies, you have a very diverse workforce um, with a lot of different backgrounds. And, a lot of them, you know, surprisingly or unsurprisingly, security isn't top of their mind, right? And so Chris's job is really to elevate that, right? To elevate that conversation and to spearhead the educational effort to get all of us talking about security, not just in the security space, but sales, right? Um, uh, all developers, program managers, um, tech engineers outside of the security space, everybody, right? Services, it's his job, services. services yeah. Yep, yeah. It, it's his job to help us, you know, Take the message and the knowledge to the entire company, right, so to get everybody talking about security, and security is a part of everybody's job function. And so today we're going to kind of dig in on um, how Cisco and how Chris and his team um, really led a, a phenomenal uh, project around that called phenomenal the Ninja Program. and entertaining. And entertaining, yes. So Chris, tell us a little bit, I guess, you know, give us the, the lead in and, you know, to the Ninja Program. Okay, so the Cisco Security Ninja program is a collection of video training modules, first and foremost. So what we did was we put together a system that is based on martial arts belts, okay? Because um, you want some recognition built into a training system. So we have our white belt and our green belt, blue, brown, and black. And our white belt is all about basic knowledge. This is information about security we want everybody at Cisco to know, from the people that are executive admins all the way up to our senior vice presidents. We want everybody to have a baseline about security. I guess the way I've always thought about security is it's very much like a chain. It's only as strong as its weakest link. Yeah, that's so, a great you know, analogy. across the entire enterprise, you want to make sure everybody is definitely in lockstep and understanding you know, what the requirements and how to do things right in a secure mindset. So we have, if we start with some basic modules, we have security vocabulary as an example. So we want to have some basic, like, uh, words like exploit, vulnerability, threat, attack. These are all basic things that we want everybody to understand what, the, what they are. 
And um, what we, as a central security team now, when we go to talk to people, we don't have to explain the basics to start the conversation. They already know. They're like, oh, don't, don't, don't define vulnerability for me. I know what that is. I'm a white belt. I understand that. So it's about these basic, white belt's about these basic lessons that we have, um, security business, um, threat landscape, um, you know, certifications, you know, just all the basic things that we want people to know about security. And then when we go to our green belt, that's when we get role specific. So for green belt, we have software engineer, hardware engineer, test engineer, and then manager. And so everybody that does a green belt, they do a certain set of core modules, and then they do things that are specific to their role. So if, they're, if you're a software engineer, I'm not going to ask you to take a, a module about uh, vulnerability scanning because you don't do that every day. You do secure coding. So I want you to focus on secure C, secure Java. So um, that, that's what the green belt's about is just having, you know, having role-specific information so people do things that they can apply in their job right away when they get back to work. Yeah, I remember going through um, the white belt and green belt challenges, and uh, I was really impressed, to be completely honest, with the, with the green belt's depth of knowledge, the depth of security information that was there, um, and how specific it did get to the roles. And I found it kind of perfectly customized for services. And I even went down the path of taking the software engineer one as well, just for the, uh, for the fun of it. And it's a, definitely a great program. Yeah, it is. So, so let's, let's back up a little bit. How did this program get started? Can you tell our listeners, um, you know, why Cisco started this program? Uh, because it's also applicable to each of our listeners, right, and the companies that they're at. And part of the reason we're having this episode, just so everyone knows, is not to say, hey, here's what Cisco did, but we want to spread this information um, and this program and programs like it to all of our listeners and your companies. And we want you all to go to your companies and say, hey, we should start a program like this, right? We should start an educational effort. Let's talk about security in our company. Let's find out ways that we can educate our people at our company to be more secure, right? Because we can all improve. That's my goal is to get many other companies to do this same thing because we, we've seen the impact that it can have on us. Um, so we, we actually, um, back in 2012, a number of us got together and said, uh, we took a look at the program that we, the things that we had for security training within Cisco, and we said, wait a minute, there is nothing that is, it's, there's no system here. We have classes all over the place. You have learn to be a CISP. You have um, how to configure and, and work with ASA firewalls. You have all these different things, but they don't fit together. And we said, you know what we need? We need a system that's going to raise the security IQ of people at Cisco. And security IQ is just your basic understanding and knowledge that you have. And so that's what we did is we put together this program, and we, we very um, selectively chose the pieces that went into it to be tailored towards the Cisco culture. And that's another thing that people have to think about. If you're going to do this yourself, each company has a security culture already. And you just have to understand what your culture is so that you can then build a program that will make things better within your security culture along the way. So so tell us a little bit about how that process started, right? So let's, you know, let's try to impart some knowledge on our listeners that, hey, they think this is great. How would they go about starting that process? Who do you need to get buy-in first? What are the costs associated that we had, right? The number of people that we had to kind of start rolling this out. So we actually began this program at Cisco on a shoestring. Okay, so we had about we had four people that got together and said we're gonna we're gonna try to make this work and do something here. Um, we did not have a large budget behind what we were doing, which is you know I think was was part of our successes. We had to be lean and mean as we were um, going through and making these decisions. Um, 
So we had, we had a group of four people. We got together and we all said, okay, we're, we're behind this. We're going to do it. And the first thing that we had to do was um, we had to say, what are, what are the basic modules? What are the things we want to teach at that white belt level? And I think that's one of the most important things is you can't jump into this going, I'm going to spec out the entire program. I'm going to write a 100-page document, and then that's what we're going to do. you got to just take a small piece of this and go after you know, maybe it's four modules, maybe it's doing uh, the equivalent of the white belt. But we didn't go into this with seeing black belt. We, we knew we wanted to get there, but, but we knew we got to focus, we got to get people to buy in. So um, we, didn't, we didn't go and get clearance from executive management and everything to do this initially. We went and did it. And then when people started to take it, we got a lot more of attention. And then budget did, was no problem at that point. But we did this for $50,000, the initial white belt, 16 modules and the front-end interface that people could use to get into it. We had a budget of $50,000, and you can believe I spent every penny of that $50,000. There was no money left at the end, not even a penny. So, And what I think is great about this, you know, I, we haven't shown anything to the listeners yet, but, you know, it, it's a self-paced learning program, which is broken down into very – manageable, easy chunks. Each module is very discreet, has its own knowledge that it's trying to um, give to the person watching it. And there's a test at the end of it to make sure you, you Just passed. a few questions. Yeah. yeah, just a few questions to make sure that you got the core understanding, you understood what the purpose of that module was, and you passed it, right? Um, but it's through a web interface, as Chris says. So you go to a web page, you see a nice journey, you see a path. So um, there, there's this very big pictorial map, kind of like a game, right? And kind of little... like if you think of uh, Yoshi's Island or any of the Nintendo games where you're slowly making your way down a path and it builds yeah. in front of you. And, and, and so you can see what all the different... Um, classes are modules that you need to take and as you take them and pass the test that that you know fills in that that spot on the on the path and you go on to the next one right so it's very nicely very nicely built that you can see what your progress is everything's manageable and it's very interactive right and again we'll we'll talk about some of the modules but at the beginning of every module there's a very humorous intro, right? That kind of sets the stage. And that goes back to Chris talking about the culture at the company. That's Cisco's culture, right? Um, not every company has would have a similar culture, but you need to own it. But let's talk about, you know, that intro, because I know a lot of those have gotten a lot of uh, talk around Cisco. Yeah. So we, we put a lot of, of thought into mixing some humor into this training program, because, you know, We've all done training where somebody sits and reads off a script the whole time, and they're like, and now I'm going to t – that's boring, right? We don't, if I don't want to do that type of training, I'm not going to create it. So what we did in, in our setup is we, we added a, a humorous little clip, and we spoof movies. We, um, we, we write some, some things, kind of we script some things. But it's all, it all has some type of a security tie-in. Like we did, a, um, we did a spoof of Office Space, and we had, we had somebody dressed as Milton, and he had a network detector, and somebody was the, the boss was trying to take it from him. And the guy just did a great job of sounding like Milton from Office Space. And it's just things like that. And it, it just makes people think, you know what, these people, just they're not so super serious. You can have fun and be a security person. And it also just it, it just makes it a lighter kind of training experience. So I, I would I would definitely encourage people if you're going to do something like this, don't be so super serious that you know people think oh that's just kind of boring. I don't want to listen to it. Make them think I wonder what they're going to do next. And that's kind of where our stuff is. They people kind of launch a module like what are they going to do now? You know, and it's almost enticing them to go to the next one. Exactly. Like, All right. So the past few were hilarious. Let's go for the next and see what yeah. they can come up with. And some of the other ones we put people in ninja costumes and we went all over the Cisco campus here in Raleigh. 
and we just put people in ninja costumes in normal things that they would be that everybody does at Cisco every day. So we had one person doing a conference call in a ninja costume. Um, we even did one. We did a spoof kind of funny one with the ninja in the bathroom, you know. But there's just all kinds of you know. There's just different things you can do there, and it just ties into our brand, and it just it proves to people that we're fun and security people are not just boring in general. We like to have fun, you know. Yeah, and, and you know. Each of these modules builds upon the previous one, right? It's helping you build your security knowledge. And like Chris said, when they started the program, they didn't have a, they had a grand vision, I guess, but there was no charted roadmap. So, you know, you started to create modules, say, well, what's missing? What else do we want? Where do we want to package it? How do we course correct? How, how do we yeah. course correct? How do we adjust? And I think you even went back through and edited some and recorded some modules again, right? After we got feedback from the population, as you start to build it out and push it out to more and more people, um, you know, you, you tailor it. So don't think that you've got to have this huge program from the beginning. We started with, like you said, a small budget, small number of people, and it started growing and growing and growing. And as people took it and got the education, they they became advocates themselves saying, hey, this is really valuable, right? More and more people at Cisco need to take this training and need to undergo it. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it, it really is truly, truly amazing. So we talked about the white belt. Now we actually have two levels of white belt at Cisco. Um, but we talked about the white belt and the green belt is more in-depth and it's more tailored toward different functional groups at Cisco. And then you have three more, right? Blue, brown, and black. So yep. talk a little bit about what the purpose of those is. So the uh, blue, brown, and black, we make a transition. So if you think about white and green belt, in those two belts, we're trying to in, in, instill knowledge into people's heads. We want people to just learn about the tools that we have, the processes that we have. But then when we get to blue, brown, and black, it becomes all about people actually doing things. Okay, so this is an activity-based system. We have a point system. You can go into the a web interface. You can register and say, "Okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm going to speak to my team about security," and that's worth a certain number of points. You might say, "I'm going to another flip side." You might say, "I'm going to go to an external conference and speak about security." That's worth a lot more because that raises Cisco's uh, reputation in the industry as well as um, that that individual person. So the activities they're just they're all about people being able to move security forward and earn points and earn belts. And what happens is we get a lot of, of new cool things that happen in the world of security at Cisco, making our products better as people earn these points along the way. Yeah, so there's things for research, right? Um, researching, investigating potential vulnerabilities in products or researching new ways of securing products, right? Um, teaching, as Chris said, um, you know, there's forging, there's, there's a lot of different things. And, and for the uh, individuals that are completing the modules, what they have to do is they have to go in and record what their activity was, the proof of the activity, how long it took them onto a, a page which gets validated before they actually achieve that uh, level, right, that that belt itself. So, you know, the program is, is really nice there. That's really tailored towards making sure that, you know, customized for the individual, growing their security knowledge, growing their giving back to the community, right? And it's recorded and then validated before they achieve that next belt. And let me, let me point out one other activity that I'm really excited about, and that's mentoring. So one thing that someone can do is they can earn points by going, and we, we're seeing a lot of a lot of people using this activity. They're going out and finding some more junior people on their team and saying, hey, and I want to help you guys learn about security. And then they're earning points from that perspective. And so Cisco gets more security people kind of being built up from within, which is really what, because, you know, this, this whole program is about security culture change. 
We're trying to change the culture of security within the walls of Cisco. We're trying to help people be more focused on security in everything that they do, whether it's writing code or testing or uh, answering support calls or whatever, whatever their function is. And that security culture change comes by being in motion. And that's, that's the idea here in these activities. We want people to be doing things to improve security versus just learning about it because then there's just a lot of benefit that we have to the company. Yeah. And so I think that's a great lead into another aspect of the program is that we've also got, you mentioned it earlier, but security advocates. So people that take on the role of being a security advocate, those are the, really the ones that within their organization are leading the efforts of the education and the, and the uh, information sharing and um, trying to hold people accountable towards things, right? So I'm a security advocate, say, in, in services, right? And one of the things that, you know, I did this last year is made sure that everyone on some teams were 100% ninjas, you know, white belt ninjas, right? They weren't, um, you know, in development, but they're in services, but that was a goal that was set and that was a goal that was achieved. But that was one of my things as a security advocate, I'm going out advocating about security, right, for the company. And that group meets monthly, right? We have sharings of information um, across the security advocate community, um, best practice things that are going on. So that's another aspect of the program I see that's that's very valuable as well, right? Getting yeah, another, the buy-in of, of key individuals across the company. Yeah, it's another piece of our community, yeah. right? So the, there's, a, there's a number of different pieces that we've already talked about, but the advocates are those people with the, the, the feet on the ground who are making things happen in an individual, you know, within an individual product. And like you said, they're, they're able to rally the troops and say, okay, everybody needs to do white belt. And without the security advocates, we wouldn't have had the success that we've had. I mean, I, we forgot to mention here already, but we've had 25,000 people at Cisco go through this program, and it wasn't mandatory. That's which right. is unheard of in the world of, of corporate training things. Normally, you get that type of numbers when you say you have to do this. Yeah, it's or a we're not pushdown paying you. mandate. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't. This this program went viral. It it you know people got excited about doing it. They got excited about being seen as a as a ninja white belt, ninja green belt, and and it just took off like wildfire. And I mean, on the topic of being seen, um, you know, people when they achieve these belts, you know, we put a little something in their directory so that the other people will see immediately that they have that certification. And then also uh, there were some lanyards given out for the different belt levels. And if you walk through the cubes in a lot of the different buildings here, you'll see them dangling on people's posts of their cubes because they want to promote the fact that they've gone through and achieved these different goals. It's like great promotional swag for that kind of uh, recognition. Yeah. yeah, and then I think that's coupled with... It's tangible. Yes. We also have a way that we can look at who's gone through the program. So there's a reporting dashboard that you know you can see to, to see who's gone through it at what different levels of the organization, what percentage of your people are white belt certified or green belt certified. And that's, you know, very helpful just for us to have visibility, right? Again, Chris said it's all voluntary, but, you know, advocates and others might go to their teams and really encourage them, right, being the advocates that they are, to take it. And so we've got built in, they've built into the program that visibility aspect, which is really nice as well. And there's also a competition side that comes in. When you make a dashboard and you show all the way up to the SVP level the percentage of people that are white belts, you can always say to one, you can mention to one SVP, hey, you know, look, uh, the person next to you is at 50%, you're at 5%. And we know execs aren't going to be competitive people by nature, so that's not going <laughs> to cause, you know, that's not going to cause any type of change. Of course, that one exec's going to say, go back to their people and say, why am I 5%? They're 50%. Yeah. Fix it. Go. Fix this. And go. That's, so yeah. that's just another way that we build um, we build our, uh, you know, through that, through that recognition and, loop. And, you know, in services, at least on the firewall teams, we held global competition. So we've got teams obviously around the world and we challenged the uh, team based out of Poland to see who can get to 100% certified first. Uh, it was a very close race. We came in just slightly behind them 
unfortunately, but it got everybody really kind of engaged to beat the other guy in learning, which I think is a really neat thing that you can do in an enterprise like this. So. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, to say for the white belt, I think it's what, about between 16 hours of training or so? About no, it's that? only about five. Oh, it's five. Five hours total. The green belt is? The green, green belt is about 16, 16. hours. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so that, that kind of gives you an overall idea of, for our listeners, right, what it takes to achieve these belts is, you know, white belt's about five hours of training. Green belt, 16-ish, right, because there's, you know, some tests that are harder than others, right, right? depending on, on your background, right? It's tailored towards, um, the, you know, that, that job function, though. And it's important to remember that those are in 20-minute bite-sized yes. pieces, though. Yeah. So we don't ask somebody to sit there for five hours or 16 hours. They do 20 minutes. Some people that I know, they do one module per day until they finish. Others have done one module per week. And both of those models work. The point is we ha you have to have bite-sized pieces of training. If you try to tell somebody 16 hours in a row, we're all shaking our head and going, I don't have 16 hours in a row. I can't even give you four hours in a row. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. busy people. We don't. We I think that's a, another key to the success, right, is manageable chunks of, of information that you're sharing, right? So that, that's very key to the success. So, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, how this, how this started, how it was successful, what it is. And really the main purpose of sharing this information is, you know, to let you know that you guys can do this as well, right? And Chris is here to say, we're here to support you, right? Definitely. So so some of the things that, you know, that I think Chris is going to open up is, you know, one, you can contact him to get more information. But two, we want to share a module with our listeners. We talked about this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so definitely. We want to, um, we have a module that we're going to take from some of the material we developed in our white belt that we can share with the listeners so that they can see what does this actually look like? Because we've been talking about it, but now you can actually put your hands on a tangible uh, module and see, okay, how do they actually build the training material? How do they show it in a fun way? So we're going to provide that so that we can encourage more people to go out, regardless of the industry that you're in. We think th this type of training can, can be built anywhere. doesn't matter what type of company. Um, everybody needs to know more about security regardless of the industry that you're in. Everybody needs to be more focused and, and be able to understand these principles, and it'll, it'll just it'll benefit any company. Yeah, and we'd encourage you to share that module with, you know, your manager, directors, whoever it is in your company with, with some power and say, hey, you know, encourage them to say, we should do something similar, right? And we're not, we're not going to dictate or say how you go about it. It's up to your culture and how you do it, but having an educational program around security to build a foundation of a culture of security in your company we feel is critically important. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned you started with four people, and that's a pretty good small number to get the ball rolling. And here at Cisco, we've got, you know, 70,000. It changes every day. But for our listeners, you know, who might be looking at this and saying, well, this seems like a really large undertaking. I'm just a small, you know, mom and pop shop, or maybe I've got 100 employees. Uh, can I really do this? What What is the real person capital that needs to be invested, and how do you really get that first spark? Well, I think a key principle to applying that is you have to get, you have to find the people in your company that are already really interested in security mm -hmm. and you have to involve them. And so if you're a hundred person company, that might be one other person. Maybe it's two other people. But what those people do is they bring a certain reputation. And if you get them to be involved in scoping the program, helping you create the content, maybe even if you decide to do video, recording video and being, in, being an actor or an actress in, in the video presentation, then they, their reputation will help to spread the program to everybody else in the company. So you don't have to have um, 100 people. Now, we were lucky in that um, the community we built at Cisco for our white belt, we ended up having like 100 different people contribute in some way. 
And that means that some people helped us to create content. Others helped us in the recording process. Others may have just reviewed one PowerPoint that we were using for a module. Um, so we had a hundred different people that were involved in it, but that doesn't mean, and that, that's just a, a benefit we had as a large company, but I think it comes down to finding the people that can really help you. And it, maybe it's one other person, but, um, have them, you know, do this with more than just a thing. Don't try to do this on your own because you really have to be able to bounce this type of thing off other people. And you have to, you have to have, you know, the, the community, even if it's a small community, come together and get behind it and they'll help you to push it out. And then hopefully that community then grows. So when you got up to the green belt, which was a much bigger endeavor, I mean, how many people were running through that uh, to help create that content? So we had a, we had around 500 people in total that wow. did something. You yeah. know, they didn't all sit in on every meeting, for example, but at least they, you know, David reviewed some of the content um, that we were doing on, you know, a couple of different green belt modules, for example. And so um, the community definitely grew as the success of the program. And I think our, our listeners can can apply that as well. You know, if you're a hundred person company and you start with two people doing this, by the time you get to that second belt, there'll be a couple other people that'll be like, I really dig this security thing. I want to, I want to help you guys do it. And that's what happened to us. We didn't go looking for people by Greenbelt. We had people coming to us saying, Hey, we want to get involved. We want to get behind. We love this mission. Uh, we're passionate about it now. Let's get behind it. And I think even our, our listeners with smaller organizations will have that same impact. Because some people will just be like, I could make a career out of this. Yeah. I love doing this. And those are the ones you want to get the passion. Have, have let you know, Channel their passion and have that work with you kind of going forward. So to our listeners, what we really hope you guys are taking away from this episode and, and why we're bringing it to you is because security needs to be a fundamental part of everybody's job. And the Security Ninja program at Cisco is the best, I think, example that we have of how we're spreading knowledge about security. And as we close every uh, recording episode for or, or every module for the Security Ninja program, what's the tagline that we say? Security is a journey, not a destination, right? And, and everybody knows that. And it's true, right? It rings true. And so we're hoping that you take this information that we're sharing today and that you go and apply it in your company or you get help to, you know, apply something similar to it in your company. And I'll give you some examples here, right? So, you know, Cisco's very large. We've got everyone from developers, which you commonly think of, to tech engineers, us, right? Uh, people in services, people in sales, people in product management, program management. And it, it applies to all of them, right? And because our goal is, is that, you know, as they're, you know, as a tech engineer is taking a case, he might be primarily focused on troubleshooting the customer's issue, but he should also be thinking about security. How am I obtaining this data from the customer that I'm asking for? How am I storing it? Make sure it's stored securely, right? Our, our, our program managers and you know, as they're going through the program, hey, have we made sure that we've done all the security testing, right? Is it all checked off? You know, who do we need to go to to escalate any any types of issues that we've got? Are we linking in with the right practices and the right programs? Are we linking in the security community for, you know, non-security products, right? Um, you know, developers, as they're coding, they could be, you know, coding a call manager product, but are they thinking about the secure coding processes? Are they doing the security testing? Are they making sure that that's checked off at every stage of the development lifecycle? And this, I'm not saying that we don't have processes in place place to ensure that. But what I'm saying is that we want that a part of their everyday routine, constantly thinking about security in the back of their minds and every action they take. What are the security implications? What can I do better to make it more secure? And I, I summarize what you just described there. I call this the tidal wave of security culture change. 
Okay. Every time somebody watches a module, does an activity, there's a little bit more wind, a little bit more water that's going into that tidal wave. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to just have that tidal wave grow bigger and bigger. And that's the change that can be impacted in security culture. It takes every little, every little piece, every module, every activity plays into that together and ultimately helps us to change as a company. Absolutely. So as I said, we want you all to take this information and have change in your company. So Chris, tell our listeners how they can do that. Okay, so there's there's three different what, things that we're going to provide to the listeners here. The first that we already talked about was a module that is brought from our white belt content so that folks can see, can get a template or an idea as to how they can do this um, on a module-by-module module basis. Uh, the second thing is I've actually been out on the conference scene talking about uh, this program. And so we'll provide a, a link to a recording I did up at Converge uh, Conference up in Detroit, Michigan. So folks can, can get a much more deeper dive and they can see all my slides and everything as we go um, through there. And the third thing is um, I'm open to listeners contacting me. You know, I'd recommend you look at the first two things, you know, in advance of that, but I'll provide my contact information and I'm available for people that want to talk about how they could do this in their own company. And I've been doing a lot of that lately, and I'm happy to, to continue because I want to see security culture change, not just at Cisco, but across the industry. Absolutely. So that, all those three pieces of information will be in the show notes to the, mo to, uh, the podcast, so check that out. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps up uh, today's episode of the Tax Security Podcast. But before we go, a quick shout out uh, to some folks that have written into us with suggestions for upcoming episodes. So a quick shout out to Simon and Vlad. You know who you are. Thanks for writing in. And for those who haven't written in but want to, you can always reach us at security show at cisco.com give us ideas feedback we love hearing from you guys and we love providing content for you guys to listen to and as always all the information that you heard about on today's show including links to all the information chris provided will be on our show notes you can always find us on cisco.com at cisco.com slash go slash tax security podcast